Relieved. Yeah, I drank too much coffee this morning. Oh, well, gotta get it started for the kids. Shot. Man, I know. Damn, look at you getting started. Holy you know, it's, you know, it's crazy. I was spending so much money on coffee that um, my wife was like, "Dude, we're looking at the bills," and I was spending like at least over a hundred dollars on coffee, and I was like, "Shit, a I'm month? Like, yeah, a month." And uh, wow, I know, dude, and because. I mean, I was never really a coffee guy until, you know, we started getting busy. I was like, man, I need to pick me up. I don't want to do freaking shabs or like meth or anything. So I resorted That's to- That's a good call. <laughs> <laughs> I resorted to coffee. And then uh, my wife, uh, just about a week and a half ago, she was like, hey, I'm buying you an espresso machine. Because all I do, all I drink is espresso and I just top it off with like oat milk and that's it. Cold. Like I don't Ooh, even- You fancy. I don't even fuck around. And then um, from then on, like I've just been- it's just been so much better because I have control. <laughs> I have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> but even though you have a you have an espresso machine at home, mm-hmm. my cut my coffee costs is cut so much thanks to that coffee machine or thanks to the espresso machine. Okay, all right. Yeah. But anyway, so uh, but you know, there the good thing is there's a there's a correlation they haven't figured out the cause but there's a correlation between um coffee drinking and longer life i think the re- most recent study said something like years longer than everybody else oh well <laughs> shit <laughs> so i mean if you're looking to like reach the finish line last you're on your way <laughs> I enjoy the smell. I enjoy the smell. Uh, I can't really drink coffee because the something about the acidicness oh, of it, yeah, like totally. kind of like um, it, like ruins my appetite. Yeah, like I can't eat normally after I've had coffee. So, yeah, I can't uh, drink. I'm not I really can't... a caffeine addict, but I don't. Re- I don't really need it. But once in a while, uh, yeah. you do enjoy it. And sometimes there are days when you know you have a long day ahead of you. It helps. Yeah, I totally. get it. It helps. Totally. Um. Sad day in combat sports. Uh, the past couple days, there's been uh, we've lost sad two, weekend. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we've lost two major players in the combat sports world. Uh, the first being uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Mister uh, Leandro Lowe, who uh, you know eight time world champion. I mean, he's been a world champion like not even eight times. He's been a champ so many other times. Uh, if you combine all the Pan Ams and all the other stuff, but yeah, I have it here. Let's let's yeah. let's run it down. So, IBJJF gold medalist eight times. Yeah. In in by the way, five different weight classes. Yeah. IBJJF Pan American champion, uh, six times. IB seventeen Brazilian nationals 
gold medals three times, or as they called the uh, Brasileiros, I believe. Yeah. A Brazilian national champion Nogi two times. Copa Podia lightweight lightweight Grand Prix gold medals four times. Copa Podio middleweight Grand Prix, Grand Prix champion two times. Copa Podio heavyweight Grand Prix gold medalist in 2016. And the UAE JJF Abu Dhabi Pro four times. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's insane, especially considering the, the number of weight classes he did it at. I think he started his black belt competing career at lightweight and he went all the way up to super heavyweight. Actually ended his uh, his competition career this year at middle heavyweight, medium heavyweight, excuse me, where he got the uh, gold medal and at the Worlds. So, you know, you know, when you think about Leandro Lowe, Sean, what's what's what are one of the things you think about in terms of his jujitsu career, in terms of the techniques? What stands out to you? I think it was a lot of his passes that a lot of people also tried to mimic he was just so i mean granted he was only what like 31 32 years old 33 yeah 33 sorry and um <clears throat> such he just carried so much wisdom in jiu-jitsu i think it was because of him being that guy that wasn't always stuck to one exact team and like he was always down to train with everybody when in brazil or in, in here in america you know jiu-jitsu there's a lot of rivalries in jiu-jitsu and for him, he just he didn't care about any of that stuff. So what stands out, what stood out to me, <clears throat> other than his technique, was that you know he was willing to just learn from everybody and um, kind of absorb everything that was taught around him, and he was able to use it, use anything new that he did learn. And he was just such an innovator, man. And it just sucks how <clears throat> the casual fan wouldn't know what who he is, but right, right. Once you start. Googling him, you're just like, oh, man, we really lost a good one. Yeah, he's got such an interesting background. So, you know, he earned his black belt under Sister Acosta. Yeah. Uh, Sister Acosta, people don't know, he runs an academy in Brazil that's essentially for underprivileged children, underprivileged youth. So he runs this like, jiu-jitsu academy. And, like, you know, some of these kids, they end up living at the academy yeah. because they have nowhere else to go. And so he was actually tra- teammates with the Miao brothers, with Paulo and Joao, uh, Joao Miao. They basically came up together under Sister Acosta, uh, training together. Leandro Lowe is talking about the Miao brothers, telling him, you know, saying that they're the hardest workers in this gym. Their guards are amazing. Meanwhile, the Miao brothers, they wonder at, Leandro, they were like, man, that guy's incredible. You know, his guard passing, so, so sick. So if you imagine being in that training room with those three, the yeah. level of competition in there, Chilies. the level they push each other to. Uh, one, of, one of the things that made me, made, made me laugh when I was uh, watching some old Leandro Lowe interviews, when he was talking about his, his time over at Sister Acosta's, he pointed out, it's like, yeah, here there's, there's no one that trains light. Everyone here trains heavy and hard. Everyone goes hard. I hate training light. And I remember thinking in my head, you know, I'm 44 years old right now. I'm thinking like, oh my God, I would hate to train in that gym. <laughs> it's just like, it just sounds like a recipe for me, you know, being hurt. But when the way he, he rolls, the way he competition career at lightweight, went all the way up to heavyweight, he rolled exactly the same way. It's not like 
he got up to heavyweight and all of a sudden his game got slower. Yeah. He still took some of the speed he would use at lightweight, the explosiveness he would and apply it to the higher weight divisions. And that's what made him one of the more exciting jiu-jitsu competitors to watch because he would bring that lightweight speed up yeah. to these higher weight classes. Uh, I actually for a while tried to adopt one of his passing techniques uh, back when I was uh, a purple belt. His knee slide, his knee slide technique, the way he would set up his knee slide. And uh, I, had, I had some pretty good success with it. And I, but I got to admit that as he got heavier in uh, weight, I stopped watching him because I, in my head, I would think, oh, well, he's a heavyweight now. Uh, the techniques he's using don't apply to me because <laughs> I'm, at, I'm at best a featherweight. I don't think I could even sniff lightweight at my weight class. <laughs> but, uh, but he's such an interesting character because competition-wise, training-wise, serious business, off the mat, he was known for having a good time for partying, for enjoying his life. Uh, and, you know, so he was kind of multifaceted that way. I think you hear a lot about these Brazilian jiu-jitsu specialists where when they're out in the world, all they are about is jiu-jitsu. Yeah. You know, all they think about is jiu-jitsu. If it's really lost, they don't know. Uh, Leandro, one of those guys. <laughs> yeah. So... Apparently, there's a lot of cool stories with him out in the community or, or he's partying or having a good time. Um, but, uh, yeah, the jiu-jitsu world's still trying to, trying to unpack the feel about this whole situation. Uh, people don't know he was partying at a club in Brazil. He had a, he had a table, bottle service, and some off-duty cop came over, tried to take a bottle according to witnesses, kind of waved it threateningly at everybody. Leandro Lowe kind of took him down and held him down and controlled him. And some witnesses say that he and Leandro Lowe's friends are actually trying to de-escalate the situation. <clears throat> and then as soon as they got separated, this off-duty cop pulled out his piece and shot Leandro in the head. Not only shot him in the head, but when Leandro hit the floor, actually kicked him in the head a few times <laughs> before he ran off. That's fucking ridiculous. Um, yeah, you know, and I was I was speaking to uh, my friend who's Brazilian, and uh, he'll he'll remain nameless. But you know, this is all speculation. But one of one of the things that um, he pointed out was that that the police forces in Brazil are very underpaid. Um, there's a lot of corruption down there, oh, and yeah. he said, and he speculated that there might have been some resentment where he sees this Leandro Lowe guy partying up in the club, yeah. getting bottle service, and just thinking to himself, you know, that should be me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and so went up there and just tried, started to talk shit. And the word is actually that this off-duty cop actually also trains in jiu-jitsu. This is now just, just rumor now. This is just rumor that I'm, I'm reading from different reports that apparently is a, a, was a purple belt at his own gym. Okay. And I actually knew who Leandro Lowe was because, and that's kind of shocking to me yeah. because when I first heard this story, I thought to myself that maybe it's this, you know, this off-duty cop who didn't know who Leandro Lowe was, got taken down, got controlled, got held, got humiliated and embarrassed yeah. 
didn't know how to take an L. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They didn't know how to take the loss, got humiliated, and this and went to the f- extreme to try to quote unquote get his manhood back or some bullshit like that. Yeah. But now I hear that he was a jujitsu guy, he had to have known who Leandro Lowe oh, was. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, God damn, that that just makes it worse. Cause one of the things I did on Monday during my kids' classes was I played a lot of games with the kids. Yeah. And one of the things I tried to explain to them was, hey, everybody here, you guys like winning. It's I understand that it has it feels good, but you guys also have to learn how to lose. Because if you don't know, learn how to lose, you're gonna tear yourself and everything around you apart if you don't know how to handle it. And I was specifically thinking about this situation. I was thinking of a situation about this guy who who got taken down by Langelo and maybe didn't know how to take that. Yeah. And then so now it results in a murder. And now it's like, but it turns out the guy is a, a jujitsu guy. If it turns out he's a jujitsu guy, the guy should know how to take a loss. So it could be this guy's a fucking asshole is what jealous. it is. You know, jealous. yeah, just, just a fucking like bad person. Yeah. Um. So that, I, I went on for a while about that, but that's one of my my thoughts uh, that, un, uh, that I was trying to unpack as I'm, I was, I was thinking about this situation, did you have any? T- t- did you talk about this with anybody? Um, yeah, I went that to was jiu-jitsu. affected by this. I went to jujitsu yesterday, and you know, a bunch of the guys were talking about it. And I think it's just the severity of the situation. It's like Brazil is probably the most hood place that that I've ever. I've never been there, but th- that I've seen all over the media. There's always you know, that dark, morbid curiosity that sometimes I go down a rabbit hole and every little, like, thing and all these, like, crazy, like, assassinations or murders, they happen all the time in 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 Brazil. And for this guy to pull out a gun after he's been, you know, served or, like, after him getting humiliated or whatnot, for him to shoot Leandro in the face, that's, I mean, that's... That that has to be some sort of like mental health issue, or he's going through some shit, because for him to shoot him in the face, which happens a lot in fucking Brazil, from what I've heard, and to kick him while he's down, while he's dead, that there's got to be a a missing freaking, you know, he's missing some screws in his head, man. And well, I don't know, I don't know if that's like a mental issue or it's just you know some people are just bad people too. Oh yeah, totally. Some people are just bad people, and. It should be noted that this this off-duty cop, like back, I believe in 2017, actually got he was he, he has something on his record where he was charged with I think uh, assaulting some public official. Oh wow! <laughs> so yeah. so he has a history. There there might be a history of violence there. Uh, my Brazilian friend kind of asked us like, "What the fuck was he doing? How did he get a gun inside of a club?" I said, "You know, I don't know how, how Brazil is, but the guy's a cop, so maybe like." the doorman gave him consideration, you know? Um, so, so that's going to continue to unfold as the weeks go by. Uh, but it's, again, it's a sad day, um, in the Brazilian jiu-jitsu community. You think about Leandro Lowe and his, his imprint on the jiu-jitsu world, this mix of size, athleticism and technique. Uh, was there any particular match of his that you could recall Sean, that you think was memorable, yeah. that left an impression on you? You know, he, there was two, actually. Oh, um, okay, all right. 
because I was a huge fan of Lu- uh, Lucas Lepre. Oh, okay. All right. And he beat Lucas Lepre. Uh, mm. And he also beat Gordon Ryan, which is a big feather in his cap. And from what I heard also is that I guess Gordon Ryan also was supposed was scheduled to have a match with uh, Leandro. I think it was in November. I think they were, they were, in, they were in talks to having a match in uh, November. And I was just like, oh, man. And that would have been interesting to see if it, but if it was, that would have been interesting to see um, how Gordon could control Leandro's athleticism. But 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 Gordon's been on such a roll; he's been able to control everybody by yeah. lately. Uh, well, so the match that uh, I kind of think think about, I don't think it's the most high action paced match, but I think it it helped. Uh, exemplify the danger that Leandro Lowe always presents. And it was his match against Urba Santos at the Brasileiros, the Brazilian Nationals. It was yeah. the finals, at I believe, at heavyweight. Or is it ultra heavy? It was a heavyweight or ultra heavyweight. And here, Leandro Lowe is actually, you could tell even on video that Leandro Lowe is kind of the smaller guy. Yeah. And for the first about eight minutes, Urba Santos is kind of ragdolling Leandro Lowe. You know, Landro has to pull guard a couple of times, and Herbert Santos is up by a couple of, of advantage points. And then at the last two minutes, Leandro is able to pull off a sweep and get two points, and it's able to pass Herbert's guard um, in the last minute and control him and wins the match by points. And it just showed the the explosiveness, the athleticism, and the technique that he he was able to draw on to pull out the victory there. And one another reason why it's cool to watch this match is because it happens in Brazil. And I got to tell you, I don't think there's any more of an exciting environment to watch a Brazilian jiu-jitsu match than at the Brazilian na- Nationals, oh, man. Yeah. That crowd is like soccer stadium loud. Like that crowd is fucking into it. Yeah. You don't it's see like that. soccer almost, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. man. Like, like, you don't see that here in the United States. Like here in the United States, um, during like super matches, it's almost like uh, the crowd is super polite, almost, almost like too polite. <laughs> like no one wants to say anything because no one, everyone's watching the techniques and and it's almost like watching um, golf or the way that Japanese fans watch MMA. You know, super polite. They don't clap until something happens. But in Brazil, man, they're they're like. Sing, they have like Leandro Low chants that they have. They're like going in, and Leandro Low is like playing to the crowd. So, I, if anybody has time, check out uh, any of uh, Leandro's matches, especially on, when he's uh, competing in the Brazilian Nationals. Because I think I I look forward to the day where American fans can bring that kind of energy to yeah. these Brazilian Jiu Jitsu tournaments. Yeah. That'd be sick, man. Like, they, these these chants are cool. It, it just it just looks like a a good ass fucking time. So yeah, you know, this week at our our gym at Cojaldo Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, we're going to be covering mostly uh, techniques that Leandro Lowe was known for. Yeah. Uh, so last Monday we covered some of his spider guard techniques where he's controlling the sleeves and then he uses his legs to collapse on his opponent's legs to tie them up and sweep them. I think we'll probably be going over some of his passing approaches the rest of this week. Yeah. 
So it'll be it'll be cool. It'll be cool to kind of just um, in our small way uh, remember him and appreciate uh, what he did for the art. Heart goes out to his family and his friends, man. Oh my God. It's just, yeah, you know, like, like all week, uh, the Mayao brothers have been posting mostly stuff about their memories of Leandro. Yeah. Uh, and so they're absolutely broken up about it. So we feel bad for his friends and family. Uh, our, our condolences here from the podcast. And then we lost another uh, legend as well. Yeah, this was super, super recently. Like yeah, literally this was yesterday. Literally yesterday. Uh, yeah, you, you texted me like while I was sleeping, and I woke up this morning. I was like, "Oh shit!" Um, and it was crazy because I was just—I literally was watching some uh, some tape on him and Ariel talking about how because I went down this like Steven Seagal like rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so before you get started, we're um, folks are talking about uh, Judo Jean Labelle, oh, God, official yeah. name. Judo Jean. <laughs> official official name Ivan Jean Labelle. Um, uh, Passed away yesterday. We, uh, we're not sure of what. Nothing official. But he's 89 years old. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Sean, tell tell me about the the Stephen Skull rabbit <laughs> hole you fell down. <laughs> so I was going down the Stephen Skull rabbit hole thanks to uh, fake black belts on Instagram. And uh, <laughs> you know, he did this whole series on kind of exposing Stephen Skull and how kind of he's like a crazy fuck. And you know, I'm sure he has a lot of training like back in the day but you know he's really stretched it as far as like the modern yeah day he's, he's he's kind of went down yeah. the whole like i'm gonna be a cult leader uh path or something yeah. and this was interesting go ahead yeah but there was a there was an interview where um ariel helwani was talking to gene lobel about how there was this rumor where i guess they were on set of something i don't know if it was a Some movie, movie yeah. yeah that's right and yeah. uh <laughs> i guess uh there was this rumor that Gene LaBelle hip tossed or he he did some sort of throw on uh on Steven Seagal and I think he soiled himself or like he pissed on himself or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, Gene LaBelle was on the show and he kind of clarified and he didn't he didn't bust his balls too much because you know that guy has way too much respect for everybody. But he yeah. pretty much said, you know, he confirmed that, you know, I guess. Steven Seagal was being a little bit of a, a tool and, you know, he just had to kind of put him in his place. And I thought it was hilarious. I went down maybe like an hour rabbit hole, but uh, Judo Jean, best known also when he, when he came out into the mainstream, uh, you know, being with Ronda Rousey and a bunch, and being a part of a lot of these people's lives, like Big John McCarthy uh, mm-hmm. wrote something about him. Um, mm-hmm. Boss Rutten did. Dude, a lot of outpour for this guy because, man, he he almost was kind of like the godfather of uh, of MMA because I, I think there was like some rumor that he he claims to be part of one of the first MMA fights yeah. back in the '60s or something yeah, like that. Yeah, let's, let's cover that a little bit. So let, yeah. let's let's cover his background just a little bit. All right, so he actually started training in boxing and catch wrestling as a kid. Yeah. So now, if any of our listeners don't know what catch wrestling is, basically catch wrestling is wrestling with submissions, which sounds like jujitsu. But the idea is that in catch wrestling, anytime, any move you do, anytime you grab a body part of your opponent, you're trying to, uh, <laughs> you're trying to impose maximum pain and discomfort in yeah. anything you do, like anything you do, 
Nothing is off limits. Cranking the neck. <laughs> Oil the checks. Wrist, no. <laughs> pulling, yeah, pulling the knees and ankles in the wrong direction. It's just maximum pain application every time you grab somebody. So that's what, that's his background. Yeah. Okay. Boxing and catch wrestling. And then later in, he started training in judo. And he actually went to train judo at the Kotokan in Japan. If you don't know what the Kotokan is, that is the, like, that's the capital of judo in the world. Yeah. Okay. So Japan's the birthplace of judo. Kotokan is the place where it came from, where the best go to train and test themselves. Uh, and in terms of his judo competitions, at least here in the United States, he uh, captured the heavyweight and overall title at the Amateur Athletic Union National Judo Championships. Uh, and he also competed a lot in Japan. Uh, actually, he's actually known uh, these days for wearing a pink gi. I don't know, I don't know if you've looked up pictures of Judo Gino oh, yeah. Bell, but oftentimes he's wearing a pink gi. So that that's something he did on accident. So while he was competing in Japan, um, his white gi got mixed in with some red trunks he had and his gi came out pink. So he's in Japan and that's the only gi he has. So he puts on the pink gi and Sean, the, the Japanese crowd was not very happy oh. with him wearing a pink <laughs> gi. They thought it was like a huge sign of disrespect. But, hey, but it was an accident, man. It was an accident. Come but on. you know what he did? He won his division at heavyweight in this tournament in Japan. And he won the crowd over. He won the crowd over by like basically excelling at what he was doing. <sighs> and uh, and the pink gi became his uh, his trademark. <laughs> so now let's let's touch a little bit on what you brought up about him being a, a forerunner to modern MMA. Yeah, uh, and this is true. He it's argued that his is the first televised MMA fight in the United States. I'll just go a little bit on the background on it. Um, in 1963, he was challenged by this boxer and writer named Jim Beck. And Jim Beck's argument is that if you're trained in boxing, you should be able to beat any of these Japanese martial arts. Yeah. Right? And now, <laughs> no, in, in Jim Beck's perspective, though, when he was thinking Japanese martial arts, he was thinking strictly karate. He didn't really consider judo. So he basically he's disparaging the Japanese martial arts. So Gene LaBelle takes a challenge. Um, but as he's as they set up this matchup, they switched Gene LaBelle's opponent. They switched it to this guy named Milo This Milo Savage guy is actually a better boxer gym than Jim Beck. And it's actually uh has a amateur wrestling background. Yeah. And so they agreed to five three-minute rounds. And as they're there, you should. Everyone here who's a fan of mixed martial arts, you should read about this fight. I mean, there is so much chicanery and fuckery that went into this fight. It was so weird. Like, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, um, accusations of of geese being tampered with, and like <laughs> weird rule sets where they didn't want Gene Labelle to kick, even though he's not a kicker. I know. Because like, again, they Come thought on. he was a karate guy, right? But they also knew he was a judo guy because as Gene LaBelle starts like trying to grapple him, they could he could tell that Milo Savage was has been working on his judo takedown defense. Okay, long story short, anyway, in the fourth round, 
the bell gets a harai goshi on Milo Savage. Harai goshi is what large outer hip reap. It's a big, beautiful throw. Gets a rear naked choke, and Milo Savage actually passes out in this match. And so Judo Lee Jean LaBelle uh, declared the winner and the, basically his only quote-unquote MMA match in the United States. Yeah. And so since then, he was seen as a godfather of the, of the whole sport. So much so that he was the one that was chose, that they chose to referee the Muhammad Ali versus Antonio Anoki match in Japan. Do you remember that? I do. Yeah, that uh, boxer versus wrestler contest. Yeah. You know, I think there was like something like 50 or 60 people that applied for that position. And yeah. Judo Jean LaBelle was the one chose to ref it. And uh, yeah, I mean, like when you think about the training partners he's had, Dude. just a Benny the Jet Urquidez. Benny the Jet. Yeah, I mean, all-time great kickboxer in the United States. He was even trained with Bruce Lee. Come on, man. Trained with Bruce Lee. Actually, Bruce Lee credits Gene LaBelle with telling him to implement grappling into his combat style. Uh, You know, I think also Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris are one of the ones who said out loud, like, you know, Judo Gene LaBelle might be, like, the toughest man alive. Yeah. Yeah, like Chuck Norris and the training partner. He was actually also a training partner with the Machado brothers. See? So, I mean, he just... Yeah, he rolls deep, deep with these people, right? Yeah. So you know the story about him and the Gracie family when it comes to the UFC? Do you remember this story? Oh, inform me. I, I okay, so one. so there's two sides of it. but uh, So the, the general feeling was that, um, that, you know, Hoist Gracie was dominating the early UFCs, of course. And the, the, the story was that he challenged Judo Jean LaBelle to, to go against him in the UFC. And uh, everyone, at this time, Gene LaBelle's like 60-something years old. He's like huh. 64 years old. With huh. So Judo Gene LaBelle's like, okay, yeah, I'll I'll, uh, I'll I'll face one of you guys, but I'll face your dad. Oh. <laughs> oh. Alio Gracie, Wait, who, who Alio at dad? that time was maybe, <laughs> maybe like in his 70s. Perhaps. Fuck, I think he might have so, been... 80. Yeah, yeah, you're my brother. So anyway, but that's that's one side of the story. I think the other retelling of the story is that Hoist Gracie had her um in that didn't challenge Judo Jean LaBelle but invited him to participate in the UFC. And Jean LaBelle was already like 60 something. He's like I'm not interested in doing that. Uh but then there was this question about like, well, who would he face in the Gracie family? Yeah. It's like, maybe you should uh, face so-and-so, but you <laughs> should do it at this weight, which would have required Gene LaBelle to lose to like 20 pounds or something in a ridiculously short amount of time. Yeah. And so it, long story short, nothing ever came of it. And then in later on in life, uh, they actually both spoke very respectfully of each other, uh, the Gene LaBelle. Uh, so... That's nice. I mean, about a what an interesting life. You know what I mean? Like he also uh, was a pro wrestler for a little bit. So when he came back from uh, Japan after he did a couple of uh, after he won the, the national judo championships in, in the United States, he actually transitioned to professional wrestling to to make a living. Because yeah. if you think about it, professional grapplers back in the 60s, I mean, there wasn't a lot you're of... You're not making no money off of that. You're yeah. not making money being a professional grappler. So he actually <laughs> was in the pro wrestling business for a while. Because uh, yeah, that so show was huge it, back then, you know? 
Yeah, and then he made a big name with it. I think his last official pro wrestling match was in, I think, I want to say 81. I, for, I, do, I forgot who he faced. But, uh, but I mean, he's also, he was a teacher, right? Students include uh, Gokar. If you don't know who Gokar is, he was the coach of Carol Parisian and Manny Gamburian. And Ronda Rousey was in that gym too. So he was also someone who cornered Ronda Rousey, as you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Eight books. I mean, this guy's. I mean, what a life! God yeah, damn. He's pretty much done it Eight, all. Nine years old. He's done it all and had the respect of so many people, including the Gracies. Man, if you have the respect from those guys, especially back in those days, yeah, that's pretty damn good. Yeah, I mean, just just a just a sad sad week for martial yeah. arts. Um, you know, just kind of an end of an era kind of thing to where it's just like oh that's right these legends that we read about we look up to you know now they're like you know they're they're getting up there in age yeah Yeah. well now we just have to keep their memory alive through uh kind of celebrating their work and uh and training hard (laughs) and going out there and choking out movie stars and making them shit their pants. But uh, <laughs> but if, if you guys if you guys seriously do yourselves a favor if you want to entertain yourselves like look up the story of Jean LaBelle and Steven Seagal because there's <laughs> there's different retellings of it because yeah some people said that he was choked out some oh, people said sure. there's like hella different stories. Yeah, some people said he was just thrown down, yeah. right? Uh some people said that there was a lot of shit talking from Steven Seagal. Some people said it was just uh, something that happened on set with some kind of like trading of technique. Yeah. It's very interesting. It's too much to go into right now. Uh, but, but look that up and also look up the story of his Milo Savage, the, the weird fuckery that went into that. Yeah. It's such interesting reading. Uh, and just read up on Gene LaBelle such an interesting life uh and such an interesting person and he's he just he left his mark in the martial arts world for sure so our condolences goes to the to the family of gene labelle speaking of training how's training doing Uh, training's going pretty good for me man i've been uh just been chilling with my pace learning how to control myself learning how to try to control the pace of my partner Trying, trying to get the hang of it, yeah. you know. Some sometimes I'll still get out, uh, outworked, in a bad position. But I'm learning how to accept that, deal with it. Uh, nothing. I'm not getting hurt. <laughs> so yeah. that's always the most important thing to me. How about you? How's training going for you? Uh, you know, it's been spotty for me. Uh, last week I was, I, I mentioned that I was supposed to train. I didn't end up training. Uh, last week you've been super busy. Yeah, been busy, and then uh. Uh, my wife and I went, you know, we we hung out with some of my, uh, one of my longtime training partners uh, uh, out there in Cal- uh, Calaveras County, went on a lake and stuff. We were talking about jujitsu, but uh, I trained last night uh, in a room full of killers because everyone's getting ready for tournaments. And I did not do very well <laughs> last night, but, you know, I was just trying to get, you know, the wind back and the bearings back. Um, but thank God my training partners are respectful and... They know when I'm not 100. They, they, they know to respect <laughs> yeah, the old man. Yeah, they know man. how to respect the old man. 
Hey, wait, speaking of your wife, wasn't it her birthday recently? It was actually yesterday, or not yesterday, Monday. And uh, happy birthday, honey. And happy birthday, fam. And she, you know, we we did some real low-key shit, went to In-N-Out, which is great. I'm probably going to take her out to dinner on uh, on Saturday. And, Ooh, I know, and, and work to, on and kid number three. No, <laughs> trying to get lucky. And then, <laughs> try to get but, lucky. Uh, yeah, and she's... Uh, I'm just excited to, you know, just go to a restaurant, just me and her. You know, like we, we've, yeah. always, we've had the kids for fucking years and it's like. Who's watching the kids? Uh, they'll probably, this, this will probably be the first time my kids will be able to sleep at another person's house, which is my parents, which is fine. Uh, but we had very, a lot of reserves with letting them sleep at anyone's house. But even though it's my parents, you know, but with the whole COVID and whatnot. But uh, yeah, it's been a little bit uneasy but they've you know my parents they pick them up from school so uh we're okay, okay. with it and we're also going right. to san diego soon so they'll be with my other with my mother-in-law in a few weeks but a lot of fights happen this weekend and a, it, and a lot of fights are happening this coming weekend you want to get right into it carlo shut up white belt award for last weekend i called tiago santos versus jamal hill completely wrong <laughs> well not, not completely wrong i no. think the style of fight kind of unfolded the way we thought it would yeah. but jamal hill was just looking really sharp i was impressed that tiago santos tried the relentless uh wrestling approach to yeah. try to control jamal hill he found some success there but his wildness uh was his undoing because he yeah. threw a shot that threw him off balance. He couldn't recover into a good defensive position. Jamal was able to t or counter hit him. TKO in the fourth round. Jamal Hill, congratulations. Yeah. Can I ask you a question, uh, Carlo? Yes. So in the middle, uh, in the middle of the, I mean, in you know, in between rounds, did you hear Conan Silveria saying, you know, like don't get into a bar fight, this and that? What do you think? Yeah. The game plan was. Do you think it was a wrestling approach, or was it? I was it kind of like because Jamal I think Hill it, was the taller guy, right? So he was probably mm -hmm. trying to get in, but Tiago had a lot of trouble trying to resist going into a firefight. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think I think sometimes it's one of those situations where you are who you are. Yeah. Uh, Tiago Santos, I like the again I liked the relentless wrestling approach, and then when think when Jamal Hill would score with some strikes, Tiago Santos tried to even even that exchange up with his power. Yeah. And goddamn he has some power because yeah. he threw some shots that fucking Jamal Hill had to wear. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, mean, you've seen his eye, game, right? His eye like they almost looked like an orbital. Oh right God. I mean it was it was a I mean it was a good fucking fight, man. Yeah. Uh but um I think it, his coach called it right. But sometimes, you know, your fighter is going to be who they are. So you have to sometimes take who they are and steer it in the right direction. Yeah. I think there are moments where you have to turn it into a bar fight to kind of get it to where you want to be. But if you stay on that pace too long, you could put yourself in danger. And that's that's right. kind of what happened yeah. here. Tiago Santos left himself wide open. Uh, Jamal Hill took advantage. Where does Jamal Hill go from here? I don't know. I don't know. Who did he call out after? He called out someone after this fight, didn't you know, he? I totally forgot who he called out. I'm um, wondering if it's maybe maybe it's Magomed and Goliath because he's in a good spot. Um, mm. Could be anybody, but uh, Jamal Hill even admitted that you know he had to dig deep in those rounds because man, they were it was a firefight most of the time. Dude, man. you know, and I gotta tell you though, um, 
also with uh, Tiago Santos's wrestling approach, I'm, I, I question how much it wore himself out doing oh, that. Oh, you're well. so right. And so it slowed him down. And, you know, if you're going to go in and go wild with the wild punches, you still need your explosiveness to do that and make it effective, make it dangerous. And yeah. he might have kind of undid his own nature by over-relying on the wrestling at some points. Yeah, I agree. Even though, you know, it wasn't a championship fight, but you know what I'm talking about. This yeah. was like, you know, a five-round fight. So you got to consider those things, I, I feel. But anyway, exciting though. And then my shut up white belt moment happens in the co-main with uh, Jeff Neal versus Vicente Luque. I had thought that Vicente Luque was going to be too much, but dude, Jeff Neal's kickboxing was insane. Dude, uh, I got to tell you, like that was such a fun fight for me to watch. Me too. Because you could see the problem solving that was happening between both of them. Mm -hmm. You know, when Jeff Neal in the first round, he figured out that Vicente Luque couldn't pick up his left straight because Jeff Neal's of a southpaw. Yeah. was able to nail him a couple of times, sat him down, you know? And then in the second round, Vicente Luque used his right kick to keep Jeff Neal's left hand at home and kicking and just like found great success with that approach. Yeah. And, um, and really had Jeff Neal in trouble in the second round. And then the, in the third round, it was just too much. Uh, Vicente Luque was wearing... Jeff Neal's left straight just too much, and then just and it it just put him down in the third round. Uh, that this was a fun technical um, stand up fight yeah, for the most it. part. Here it, it was it was fun to watch. Um, I think I would have liked to have seen Vicente Luque try to make make maybe kind of see if he could turn it into a grappling fight as well. Yeah, I kind of vary the approach, kind of take Jeff Neal off his rhythm, but. Uh, Congratulations, Jeff Neal. He looked good. Yeah. Jeff set, Neal looked good. He had a set of hair on him, too. Looked like, <laughs> like he had that COVID haircut. <laughs> Did Jeff Neal, he called out somebody afterwards, didn't he? I'm trying I to know. remember. That's a good... Uh, when I was sometimes, watching it, I was like on my phone. I couldn't even hear anything. But Honestly, I, sometimes I, don't, I, I thought he did. I, I, didn't, I don't really listen to the post-fight interviews, to be quite honest. Because it's, it's usually the same thing over and over again. Yeah. But I think someone... You're in the welterweight division, you need to keep your eyes on Jeff Neal. Yeah. Because he's a he's, he could be a problem. He could be a problem for some some of these uh for these some of these uh higher level welterweights. Yeah. Uh uh any other fights on the UFC card you wanted to uh, draw particular attention to? I know Kamaro Usman's brother uh won um his ultimate fighter contract. Yeah. Uh, yes. By a, 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 what it was a knockout, knockout in the second round. Yes. So what, this is one of those events where pretty much all the fights went to a finish, which is so uh, rare. That's rare. You know what I mean? That's rare. <laughs> um, so Mohamed Usman gets the contract against uh, Zach Pauga. And then Juliana Miller, TKO's Brogan Walker, which was kind of expected. So, so kind of, those are the two yeah. new all. Yeah, two new Ultimate Fighter winners. And uh, Juliana Miller representing Tenth Planet San Diego. Um, okay. Other than that, Terrence McKinney over Eric Gonzalez. That was a pretty good one. Brian Battle, Ultimate Fighter winner, takes out Takashi Sasso. A head Sasso. kick knockout. That was head a really kick good knockout. one. That was crazy. And what a name, Brian Battle. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, yeah. first Von Flu choke from Corey McKenna. Oh, first Von Flu choke by a female fighter over uh, over Miranda Green. Gonna watch. Pretty damn good. Um, there was also some... Yeah, I, read, 
I haven't seen a Von Flute choke in a minute. Yeah, I know, right? It should be the OSP choke. Uh, then we move on to the PFL playoffs <laughs> one where Stevie Ray pretty much dominated Anthony Pettis in a grappling match. But yeah, you know what, though? Like, th- we, we called this one right. We did. Number one, because Stevie Ray is a tough-ass name. But, uh, yeah. but I got to tell you, like, the third round, uh, I think Anthony Pettis won that third round. I agree. He was actually able to stop Stevie Ray. Stevie Ray was able to win the first two rounds, mm-hmm. basically by throwing, using his takedowns and his grappling. Yeah. But I kind of feel like Stevie Ray's wrestling and grappling approach is more like a kind of, I'm just going to put pressure on you and you may throw a big shot on me, but I'm going to just eat it so I could just grab anything and then take you down. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's like, a, six, uh, a formula for long-term success. If Pettis had a little more on some of his strikes, I mean, he could have sat Stevie Ray down a yeah. number of times with some of those strikes he yeah. threw. Because there, was, you know, like, because- there was like shades of the old Pettis. Like he was doing like some weird, like if he'd get the opening, he'd get like Pettis crazy, was trying to find like, his kick. rhythm there. Yeah, right? Yeah, like getting the range with his body kicks and his yeah, straight dude. punches. So I I don't I think you know Anthony Pettis still looked pretty good. You got to wonder though if the PFL figures that they got what they were paying for when they <laughs> signed Anthony Pettis. I yeah, mean, there's some I'm questions sure his about that. Salary is pretty high too, compared to all yeah. the other guys. But he does he does elevate the people he he faces as well. So they're that part of yeah. why you pay someone like him, That's someone of his stature, to be in your um to be in your division. But yeah, so yeah. like. Um, Stevie Ray moves on to the semifinals. All right, moves Actually, on the finals. Is it finals? Uh, to the finals. Yeah, yeah, against uh, Olivier Aubin Mercier, right? Yeah, who ended up winning his fight yeah, as well. Who, who won his fight against Alexander Martinez? Yeah. So look forward to that, guys. The now PFL playoffs are continuing. Yeah. Uh, did you want to uh, go over uh, fights going coming up this weekend? Yeah, I mean we got a pretty big uh, fight night. I mean this is. Probably one of the better fight nights that I, I think from as far as like uh, names are involved. Mm-hmm. Um, headliners: Dominic Cruz versus Marlon Cheeto Vera. Who do you have? Ooh, who do you? Oh, I was going to ask you who oh you got. <laughs> I want to ask you because I don't know. I'm going to make. I'm, I'm going right to go with. I'm going to go with Marlon Vera, uh, because, uh, like Dominic Cruz has one of the better defensive styles in MMA. Yeah. But he's getting up there in age. His defensive yes. style requires so much movement. This is going to be a five-round five bat weight fight. I don't know if that style ages well. Mm. Uh, you know, will his legs hold up through the later rounds with yeah. all that movement? And plus, if he does get to hit Marlon Vera. Now, Marlon Vera doesn't have great defense either. No. That's one of the things that people should note about. His, his, his defensive hit. striking isn't great. Hit. He gets hit, but will does will Dominic Cruz hit him enough times? And can he hit him with enough power to make Marlon Vera uh, respect him and not be as aggressive as it as the fight goes on? I'm going to go with Marlon Vera by a stoppage in like Oof. maybe the fourth round. Am I just am I crazy here? <laughs> no, I think he's just going to be too much. I mean, Marlon Vera has a gas tank. Uh, Dominic Cruz coming off a. Uh, you know, he's coming off a win over Pedro Munoz and Casey Kenny. So he has a shot. I say TKO second round instead of your uh, third or fourth round. But um, 
I think Marlon Vera is probably going to be, if he wins this, I mean, who knows? Maybe he gets a title shot. What do you think? It's a big, it's a big name. It know? is a big name, former big champion. Name. You're, you're going up against a champion. I mean, yeah. it's it, you can argue that Dominic Cruz might go into the Hall of Fame. Oh yeah, um, definitely. Will. You know, he he has a he has an argument for that, mm-hmm. but I, I I I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be an exciting fight. I agree. Um, the Marlon Vera is an action guy. Dominic Cruz is so compelling with his style because um, you know he mixes up his wrestling pretty well. He does. He's got that great knee pick uh, off of his footwork that he, that kind of surprises people. And I want I'm curious whether he's going to try to implement that. Yeah. Well, does, yeah. does Kim kind of faking at or threatening with some of the wrestling? Will that slow Marlon Vera's aggression down? Could you know, be, man. could be because he might be worried about um, one of the other. Yeah. Yeah. And again, like uh, Marlon Vera's defense ain't great. <laughs> <laughs> when I was looking at the numbers of like uh, some of the, the number of significant strikes he's, he's taken in his, fight career i was just like oh that doesn't look great especially <laughs> his last fight remember he was just yeah it looked like he was taking shots but then he was still dominating towards the half of the like the later half of the round and that's mm-hmm. what win him, wins him fights you know yeah he does take a shot he does take a lot of shots yeah so can cruz give him one that gives him pause i don't think so you know yeah see that's that's a question yeah. uh i'm gonna jump around a little yeah go ahead the other fight really that's on this prelim on pre uh, on, on not on this prelim that's on this card that's interesting to me is the uh Cynthia Calvillo Ooh. versus Nina Nunes flyweight fight. Yeah. Um they're both ranked. So this one this fight has some implications for th- that division. Uh and the question to me will be can Calvillo Im- impose her wrestling? You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. If Cavill could turn this into a wrestling fight, she has a really good chance. But when you look, Nunes has very good takedown defense. She does. Her her takedown defense numbers are very good. So this is going to be like as like any fight. Who can pose the style that they want? Yeah. And uh, uh, I'm going to go with Cavill. I'm going to go with Cavill. I think uh, she has that relentless wrestling style that could turn this into uh, a grind fest. Um, and uh, will help boost her help boost her rankings in the flyweight division. I'm gonna go. Any with, other- yeah, I'm gonna go with Nunez only because hopefully, um, while her her partner Amanda Nunez was training and she looked amazing uh, a few weeks ago, hopefully Nina took uh, followed suit and she's training just as hard. I mean, she gets to train with the champ all the time. I'm going to go with Nunez by... How do you know she's not watching the kid while, while Amanda's training? <laughs> You're so right. <laughs> no, nah, but... She is yeah, a mom. That's, It's going to be interesting. That's going to be interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. It will be. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna shout out the uh, Priscilla Cacciara versus Ariane. That's a good point. I'm going to I'm gonna shout out the Priscilla Cacciara versus Ariane Lipsky fight because remember, that was supposed to be last week. Oh yeah, that's right. What, what what happened with that? Ariane missed weight, dude. Oh, is that what happened? Yeah, she ended up missing oh. weight, and uh, they had to move it. I don't. I thought they were going to keep the fight on, but apparently they just moved it over to, over a week. That's kind of interesting. You know, usually they, you don't see that. It's like, oh, you don't you didn't make weight today, so we'll give you another week to make weight, and yeah. then we'll just have the fight next week. That's weird. And how much you want to bet Priscilla ended up making made weight last week? Yeah, so she so has she's to make, make weight again. She has to make weight twice like that? Yeah, dude. 
That's weird. That's weird. Okay. Well, I'm going, I'm going with the dime piece. Fuck that. I went with Priscilla <laughs> last week. I'm going to go with the dime piece this time. Ariane. Let's not. Sean, let's make Sean weight this time. Change. Sean, don't ever change. <laughs> Based on her IG. That's all we always say. <laughs> Uh, can we can we quickly jump to Bellator? Yeah, because... I think uh, it's is it on tonight? Ooh. I think it's a Bellator 284, Neiman Gracie versus Goiti Yamauchi. Um, is it? I, it's on really soon. I don't think it's this weekend. I think it's like on a week oh, weekday shit. night. But uh, anyway, who do you got for this? No, I'd, I'd rather go. I'd go with Neiman all day. I'm You're going go with to go Gracie. Okay. All right. Goiti Yamauchi is really good, but there's, I just there's striking or not. <laughs> there won't be any striking in this fight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised this isn't on a week. I mean, look, they got Elimale McFarlane on this. They got Austin Vanderford on this. Dude, there's a lot of names on this fight card. Mm. Justine Kish, she was an old uh, UFC fighter. Damn. And then also, uh, they're the the PFL playoffs are like continuing this weekend. Oh, yeah. uh, got uh, in the semifinals, welterweight semis. Uh, our guy Roy McDonald, Red King, versus Omalatov Magomed. I know who you're. <laughs> I know who you're betting on. <laughs> if they, if there's a V in the guy's name, Sean is putting his money on yeah. that guy. <laughs> hey man, I'm going with Rory that time, but I know that the Russian or whatever he is, I know he's probably gonna win. <laughs> is he All from right, fucking then. Dagestan, dude? I, dude, dude? Just because they have a V in their name doesn't mean they're from Dagestan, man. It says Russia. <laughs> oh, okay, and then the heavyweight semifinal, Ante del del. You know, I I gotta tell you, like I some of these semifinals, I'm I'm just not super familiar with them, and I got no. I gotta watch these guys. Dennis Goldsov versus Mateus Sheffield. That's the other heavyweight semifinal. Goldsov, he's got a V in his uh, last name. So, Sheffield, so I know right. that's where you're going. <laughs> uh, semifinal, you know, talking about names. Sadabu Sai. Sadabu Sai. That's a great name. That's a great name. Uh, Sadabu Sai versus Carlos Leal. I'm going to go with Sadabu Sai just because the name sounds fucking dope. Oh, yeah. <laughs> from sweden any particular other uh, pfl matchup here you're like you got your eye uh, on no <laughs> no <laughs> actually i don't even know half the guys on on this besides rory and uh and uh henan fajeda but yeah it should be it should be interesting to see how how rory does here um but it, it's go interesting you know million dollar payday for the guys who win their division uh so let's get that money News that that's noteworthy to you. We, we that's okay. <laughs> hey, so you heard uh, Uriah Hall, uh, MMA uh, UFC fighter, announced his retirement from MMA. No. Oh, I just literally seen that right. Yeah, now. he just. I think he. I think he's just. It was just time for him to step away. Uh, he's uh, one of those guys you could say like. Um, he's never lived up to know, his potential though. Then uh, in the finals, so Kelvin to Gastelum, you know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Kelvin went on to uh, fight for the middleweight title. Um, and then Uriah Hall kind of just kind of uh, hovered around, being kind of close to breaking out, you know, uh, but just can never reach that next next level. So, but congratulations, you know, he had a cake, he had a career. He fucking fought um, Anderson Silva. He fought, a... fought some top-notch yeah. fighters in the sport. And so we wish the best for him in his next chapter in his career. 
another quick yeah. another quick news. One of the um, judges from UFC 277 defended himself against uh, what uh, Joe Rogan and Daniel Cormier uh, said about um, him judging one of the fights. And so, uh, I see now these usually you don't see uh, judges in boxing speak publicly, but uh, this guy felt like he had to stand up for himself. Um, he was on fuck. an interview recently where he he went through the tape of the third round of that fight to talk about like why he called it a certain way. And he, you know, sometimes when they explain themselves this way, um, you know, okay, you can kind of see why they had their feelings about why they scored a, a round a particular way. Uh, I think in the future, just so that um, uh, corners and fighters know where they stand in the middle fight, I think they should have open scoring. Meaning, as soon as the round is over. Uh, the scores from each judge cards is announced. That way, fighters know what the what judges are thinking. There's not a big mystery going into closing rounds. So I think that helps kind of like uh, take away some of the mystery behind judging. Yeah. Um, any other news that you in the MMA world? Oh, uh, guy, uh, Bay Area native Adam Piccolari finally gets a fight out there in uh, Milan, Italy, and at Bellator 287. Oh, so that's right, huh? To that guy, hopefully he can uh, he can get a good run going and make a run at the title. I know he got injured last time, so hopefully his injuries aren't too bad. All right, congratulations to Adam. So um, I got to head off to some yeah. jujitsu. We're gonna learn more Leandro Low stuff and uh, honor him by uh, making his techniques. Go on. Any parting messages for us, Sean? No, just uh, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and don't forget to follow us on Instagram. Mine is Sean underscore Pierre underscore and yours, Carlo? Hopkey. Uh, wait, wait, Hopkey. Oh, Hopkey one. On, <laughs> I don't know where I was at. Hopkey one on Instagram, guys. Hopkey one on Instagram. And don't forget to visit Magalit Jiu Jitsu in San Francisco, Fight Culture Daily City, Omni Movement in Hercules, and The Resistance in Pleasanton. Go ahead, take, check us out at Hapkido USA in the Sunset District here in San Francisco, along with Kohaldo Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Pacific Ring Sports in Oakland. A lot of fights to cover this weekend, guys. I think it's starting, is it tonight? I don't know. Uh, so don't bet on our picks because we're terrible at this shit. Oh, it's <laughs> the Gracie, it, I mean, the Bellator uh, is on August 12th. So that's, August 12th, really? Oh, so that's Friday. Okay, so that's two days from now. Okay, I misread that. All right, cool. So look out for that, guys. Uh, doing anything this weekend? Are you cornering anybody or no? You good? Uh, this weekend, it's all just teaching, training, and just not getting my ass kicked. There you go. <laughs> Same here. Take care of yourselves, guys. If you guys are training, take care of your training partners. Take care, of yourself. Take care guys. Peace.